1: Hello, this is your host, Nancy. I'm coming to you live on the Health and Wellness channel at voiceamerica.com. Greetings and happy holidays to all of you listening during this holiday season. Today we are discussing your home or the home of your loved one and a couple of options you should consider when a senior is planning to leave that home, whether to simply downsize or for a move to a retirement community or assisted living. Typically, the only option considered is to sell the home. However, there is another option you might consider, and we will focus on um, those two options today, both selling the home and not selling the home. Um, So... First option, simply sell the home. Second being keep the home and turn the house into a rental property. I have two guests here with me. I'm pretty excited. They're both uh, very knowledgeable in this subject. They will be helping us understand the pros and cons of these two options. With me today is Dan Farley, who is a CPA with Moss Adams here in New Mexico, and Sherry Dia Brown owner of Caravan Properties uh, that manages more than 300 properties. Sherry is also a licensed realtor in Colorado and personally an experienced real estate investor throughout the US. I would like to begin by talking about the cost benefit of simply selling the home. And I'd like to begin by asking Sherry, Sherry Dia to share with us what we should know when considering this first and best known options. Sherry, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Nancy. Um, It is a pleasure to be here and to talk about real estate. Um, It is one of my passions. And so let me just kind of answer your question. Uh, Selling a home is definitely a uh, popular version of owning uh, real estate. Um, And the important thing about real estate is that you have different benefits and options that you can do with it. So when you're thinking about selling your home, the two main options you have are to uh, improve the property make it as uh, what i call the shiny penny and attractive to prospective buyers the other option if you just want to do a quick sale is that you have the uh, property clean and presentable but you sell it as is and you don't ask the uh, um, you don't you don't allow the prospective buyer to have have a whole lot of demands under inspection process this means that you're going to have a slightly lower price Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you do improve a property, um, sometimes the updating, just little little updating things like uh, new kitchen knobs uh, or a new uh, mirror, new light fixtures and stuff can add value to the sale if you want to get top dollar. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is the the options that you have on on the sale uh, of the property. And of course, the most important thing is you do want to hire the best qualified uh, real estate professional. Who's familiar with that area and that particular niche market? Because even within you know within a city uh, or a town, you have different p- parts of the town that are more uh, popular uh, from time to time, um, and so you want to know that that person's familiar with that particular market.
1: And and I assume um, Sherry that um, the shiny penny option can often be a little bit costly. For example, um, in my work as a private fiduciary, um, you know, we, we sometimes are selling homes for seniors and uh, what you often find is there haven't been updates in 40 years, 30 years. So you've got pretty worn carpet, you've got um, outdated kitchens, um, and so the shiny penny option can become pretty costly, and it's important, I would think, to work with a realtor who can really help you with the cost-benefit of those, those upgrades.
2: Yes, that's a very good point. Um, the realtor will help with saying, okay, if you spend a couple thousand dollars, here's how much more I think I can increase the purchase price. Mm-hmm. If you do these upgrades then I think I can give you this. Um, mm-hmm. And so they will actually help you uh, weigh the pros and cons of how much money you want to spend um, to get that increased value for the shiny penny uh, versus the one with a little patina on it.
1: Right, yes. And um, the inspection process can be can be cumbersome. And um, I was um, recently talking with a realtor about the benefits and the headaches involved in doing such things as carpet allowances and, and things like that, because uh, buyers often will want more than you think, you know, you start getting into the tit for tat around, you know, level of flooring, what kind of flooring, you know, costs. Right. And so
2: that's a very good example of the pros and cons of carpet is, you could pick a color that you think is nice and neutral and whatever, and actually the buyer wants to have wood floors. So, you know, you're, yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's just make it attractive, make it, uh, you know, use your best judgment and use the feedback from the realtor on what's the most popular right now. And, mm-hmm. and really it's a team effort. So, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to have, um the best dollar value for the, you know, for your sale, then do what is the more popular the you know, things that you're seeing in better homes and garden type, you know, the people that are promoting properties, you can look on websites and see what are the popular colors and what are the popular styles of uh, how the property looks for prospective buyers.
1: Right, right. So let's, um, let's bring Daniel in here, um, for a moment, Daniel, can you talk about, um, you know, the tax rules as related to, um, expenditures of the home, um, capital gain basis when you're looking at simply selling your, your private residence?
3: Sure, Nancy. Um, so really the, the tax treatment is going to depend upon how long um, the individuals lived there, um, if they're married or single, and the extent of the gain that there might be on, on the home. So uh, there's a few rules. Uh, i to start with the first one that uh, most people probably qualify for, assuming that uh, mom or dad has lived in that residence for any length of time, is that uh, there is an exclusion of gain uh, up to $250,000 for a single person or $500,000 for a married person, Mm -hmm. uh, excluding gain on the sale of their principal residence as long as they have both used and owned that home for at least two of the previous five years. So okay. assuming they meet those rules, they're gonna have a portion of that gain uh, not included in their taxable income. Okay. So this will be highly dependent upon what they paid for the home originally and you know what they're selling the home for. Most of the time, at least in New Mexico, we're seeing that that exclusion is completely wiping out any gain um, right. that, that they've sold. So, and maybe we we should talk about basis a little bit, just the concept of basis, because I think that might come up several times in this discussion, Um, and there's a little confusion on how basis changes. It gets a little more difficult as we get into the rental scenario, but just from, you know, a beginning point, your basis is essentially what you paid for the house, and then it can be increased for substantial improvements that you've made on the home during the time of ownership now if mom and dad bought this house this has been their forever home they probably have very little basis in the home they, they probably paid very little for it and now it is possible that it's you know appreciated substantially over the years and there may be more gain than that 250,000 for an individual or 500,000 for a married couple if it does exceed that, that threshold amount, there's gonna be tax on on that excess and it'll be taxed as capital gains. Okay. And capital gains taxes can be anywhere from a 0% bracket uh, all the way up to a 20% maximum tax bracket depending upon your level of adjusted gross income uh, if we look at your your income as a whole.
1: Okay. Yeah, and in New Mexico, you might often find that people don't exceed that by very much. But I, I as you know, in larger cities around the country, if one bought their home 50 years ago, uh, my own personal experience, my parents $15,000 in the city of Boston, um, when it got sold two years ago, it was a million dollars cash as is no inspection. Um, huge difference and um, uh, you might also point out in terms of basis um, uh, well first I would ask just briefly um, for you to give some examples of substantial improvements versus repair Um, you know the, the hot replacing the water heater versus new windows
3: Right. Yeah. And so, improvements are usually when we refer to them. It goes back to the tax code and the regulations. How they've defined it is if it's a betterment, adaptation, or restoration of the property, and that's still pretty vague. Um, but I mean, if we want to just talk about it, kind of in general terms, if you're making an improvement such as better windows, you're putting in a swimming pool, um, you're doing landscaping that's gonna last more than a couple years, you know, permanent type of- An addition.
1: An addition
3: addition to the, exactly. Any of those types of things would add to your basis. They're essentially capitalized and we add that to the purchase price for your basis. So that continues to increase the basis for later determination of gain or loss on the sale or even to establish uh, depreciation uh, if, if it's being converted into a rental business use property. Uh, the other thing I failed to mention earlier is maybe it's not mom and dad. Maybe mom or dad has since passed away prior to the, uh, we'll, we'll just use dad. I think for instance, usually dad passes away first. We'll say that dad's passed away. And mom is the one we're talking about maybe moving out of the home. hmm there would have been an adjustment to basis when, when dad passed away. So that also kind of comes into play. Um, so there is a rule with the IRS where they adjust the basis of the property of a decedent, um, to the fair market value at their date of death. So even if dad, mom and dad paid $50,000 for this house, you know, 50 years ago, and when dad passes away, the house is worth a million dollars. The IRS has now deemed uh, you to have paid well, mom, because she's the inheriting party, mom to have paid a million dollars for that home. So if mom sold it tomorrow, she would have no gain or loss because it's adjusted her basis to the fair market value.
1: Don't they only adjust the basis for half for him or do they adjust the whole basis?
3: You get you get an entire step up. What? That's correct. Yeah, it's a one of the one of the one of the benefits in the tax law.
1: I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, okay. Wow, that really changes things in my mind. Is that a new rule? How did I miss that? Wow. Okay.
3: Not a new rule, but it's it's not a a well known
1: rule. Okay. I always assumed half. Okay. Well, that's great. Is that just with a married couple? I mean, if you own real estate with someone else, it depends on how it's titled, probably. That's what you're gonna tell me, aren't you? Correct. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those talk to your CPA kind of thing. All of this is is kind of a talk to your CPA. Right. So I, I and and that rule, the adjustment to basis, we commonly refer to it as step up in basis.
3: Right. Right. Even though it could actually go the other way, we just don't typically see that in real estate.
1: Right. So it is best to get some kind of market analysis or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes there is no probate. And so people probably forget to do that. Huh. All right. Well, um, Sherry, do you have anything to add to that about the sale? yeah um that's uh, even the,
2: the cpa is an important uh input on the process and the estate attorney also help with that uh but also the, the, what the realtor can help with is okay what are the improvements uh if you're just the, the comparison i like to use but you know i can't give tax advice is that you're doing a repair you're doing uh updating no, that's just that's 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 plus but if you're adding the whole new addition you're uh you're doing an improvement basically a repair versus an improvement is the two easy words i use to define uh the tax benefits um for the property so uh that but that has always dependent on your cpa your uh, and mm-hmm. that's where you have the best qualified cpa helping you who understands real estate
1: right correct And right, because it could be if you have 30-year-old carpet and you're you're pulling it out and putting in, you know, hardwood flooring, that could be considered an improvement. So you need to check with your CPA about that. I think, is there also still a rule um, that the the money you spend in the six months prior to um, the sale of a property to prepare it, is that also still tax deductible or added to basis or something? No.
3: Do, you, do you mean for sale? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be the same rules as far as whether it's basically just general repair or if it's a capitalized item that provides oh. you know additional life or value to the property.
1: Okay, okay. So, some of the benefits of selling the home, we could say, is um, it's just, you know, it's done and you move on right? Uh, But there's also some costs related to it, Um, not only the improvements, um, the potential tax liability. um, And so you have to look closely at the tax liability, you have to look closely at the cost of preparing the home, um, the selling costs related to the sale, the commission, Um, the typical selling costs that will come out of the proceeds and the funds that will remain uh, net versus keeping the asset, which may continue to grow. It depends on the market you're in, I would think, when you're doing an analysis, um, and the kind of rent you can get, whether the home's paid for or not. And we're gonna get into all of that after um, our break, which will be coming up in a minute. Uh, But just to finalize this piece, um, there can be a lot of costs associated. And then when you get those net dollars, what are you going to do with those dollars? Are they going to sit in a cash account? You know, it depends on how much you have. Do you need to invest those? What's the concern there, right? Lots of decisions need to be made. So thank you to both of you for this piece of our discussion. Um next we're going to take a short break here, 90 second break. When we come back, we're going to talk about option 2, which is keeping your home uh, or your loved one's home and and creating an income producing asset. We'll be right back.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi, welcome back. And uh, let me just say that if you have any questions for either one of my guests, you can also email me. I will forward those on to them. They will respond um Sherry Dia Brown is now providing consulting services for um, folks interested in real estate and her um, um, I'll give you her email before the end of the show it it, it is provided in the bio online as well. Um, now moving on to the second option. and the one I believe is is too often not considered, and that is the option of turning, Home into a real rental property, your home or your loved one's home into a rental property, and creating potentially an asset that continues to grow as well as um, an income producing asset to supplement the cost of care, um, you know, general life expenses. Um, Cherry, I'm going to go to you again first to discuss the benefits of this option. Um, As I've mentioned in my show description, for many homeowners and family members, um, there, you know, along with this option comes some concerns, but let's start with the benefits and then we'll address some of the concerns.
2: Okay, so there are lots of benefits to owning real estate. Uh, It helps produce additional income, uh, which depending on what the family wishes are, uh, can be distributed in monthly little uh, checks in the mail uh, to the uh, to the owners of the property. Um, this is where family really needs to talk with each other uh, and determine what is the long term benefits of the property. Uh, the nice thing about property is that it is, um, especially if it's a free and clear property, it is. Um, the, the money is is a, uh, is an added bonus to the, whoever are the lucky people who get to benefit from that piece of real estate. And when it's professionally managed, you have also increased your uh, chances of a very positive relationship. Uh, the, the realtor is a person, the, the real estate professional who does property management and is the best qualified person to help you with that is going to know what are the uh the art of spending just enough money to make it attractive to the, the to the prospective buyers, um, to the prospective tenants. And then the most important thing that a good real estate professional who does property management because they like to do property management is that they are choosing the best qualified uh, additional new occupants. Uh, there are lots of ways that you can screen your the, the tenants. Um, you wanna be consistent with your policies and procedures. You wanna have a good contract that that does a nice, um, makes very clear who has authority and responsibility in their relationship. And bottom line is that the realtor is going to basically help you um, do just enough work uh, that the house has that nice patina to it, but it's clean and functional and helps you with that. Um, And then if you have the professional, when a professional helps you take care of the property, uh, they have relationships with handyman, electricians, plumbers um, who are tried and tested and uh, want to have a good relationship with that real estate broker, that property manager, and they are going to keep their prices reasonable. Uh, sometimes if there's a good relationship with the property manager. Uh, there's the no kind of we'll call the family discount that is granted. They the, the vendor those those relationships, the handyman or the plumber, the electrician, is um, is doing good quality work, and they're also not the, they're giving the the family discount to honor the relationship mm-hmm. that they have. So it's a team effort. Property management is a team effort, and you really have to have a. Uh, uh, everybody's important, everyone's equal in this relationship, so even though the owner of the property and the, and the tenant uh, are, are the relationship with the property manager, uh, there's also the neighbors, there's the community, uh, and the best compliment a rental property can have from the neighbors is they don't know it's a rental, and a good, um, good system is by a good property manager, um, mm-hmm. that's a good sign that it's, it's a successful relationship.
1: So the, there's a lot more I wanna talk about in terms of property management. Um, but um, I also just, I wanna step back a little bit and um, just the idea of turning uh, a home into a rental. I think, I, I assume you would agree that you really need to look at um, the home itself. Um the geographic area in terms of um, pricing, um, uh, how much maintenance is required, uh, how much repair and, you know, upgrading need to be done. Um, you know, um, after costs of the um, things that you just mentioned in terms of the team, um, and you probably have some sense of what the average cost per year might be, whether it's a percentage or you know, in terms of paying your property manager and paying your team, you know, routine maintenance that comes up, whether or not you need a landscaper and things like that, um, in order to come up with a net. because if you're, yeah, because if you're doing a rental property, it's it, It really can be about, um, um, you know, the income production that's possible, but when you think about it in some instances, and I'm going to toss this over to Dan, in some instances, it could be that... um, whatever, let's say it's a single woman who has had a property for 40 years and there is, you know, and she's in a city. Gosh, if you're in Denver right now, you know, you could have astronomical gain. And so it could be by converting to a rental, you're foregoing dealing with that gain if you have beneficiaries, if you have enough other assets to, um, you know, cover things for the rest of your life. And you're able to turn this into um, a rental and avoid all those taxes until your death, right? Which is what you, I mean, so it, it, it really is individually dependent.
3: Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of, you know, a caveat whenever we advise our clients. I mean, the plan needs to incorporate their goals. Uh, we don't want them to act on, a tax motivation alone, um, but just rather be informed about the tax tax ramifications so that they can make an informed decision. So, oftentimes, the tax associated is out, outweighed by other personal influences. So, really, there's no one size fits all model. Um, but in the case of a conversion to a rental property, um, well, first of all, I would use caution not to transfer the home into the kids' names um, and creating a, a gift, I would still mm-hmm. leave that in, in mom's name. Um, the income's gonna be reportable to mom uh, for the rental income. Now, right. that's gonna be another word of caution is if you decide to convert to a rental and then decide later on, and this might not be your uh, best decision for whatever reason, you'd want to wait to sell that property. You'd likely want to wait to sell that property um, until you either want to sell it within that three years to make sure mom still qualifies for that exclusion amount that, that lived and used for at least two out of the previous five years. Mm-hmm. Or you wait till they pass away to ensure that you have the step-up in basis. Because the worst case scenario is if you don't get that exclusion amount and you don't get a step up in basis and then you sell it for a very large gain, none of that gain will be shielded. So okay. if you, so then if you convert, uh, going back to just converting for a rental property, much of the tax associated is gonna depend obviously on location, 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 and you know what the market's gonna call for the rent, uh, but also the basis uh, because the basis is gonna be most of the time, the main contributor to a deduction against that rental income. And, you know, I brought up the basis before uh, for the purpose of sale, but when you convert it to a rental property, the basis, it becomes, we say depreciation. It's not depreciation of the value of the property, but it's more of a cost recovery of what was initially paid for for that property. And for residential rental, we depreciate that over 27 and a half years. So for very simplistic purposes, let's just say that the home has a basis of $275,000. That would mean for the next 27 years, you have a $10,000 depreciation deduction, a cost recovery of what we're paid. And that
1: goes against the rental income.
3: And that goes against the rental income. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits um, that I think we see with rental properties is the the after-tax cash flows may be a little bit better than in other types of investments. And what I mean by that is you're not paying money out of pocket for that depreciation deduction because it's already been paid in advance. So if we walk through a quick you know, example, um, oh, and let me back up a little bit too, is we're not allowed to depreciate the land. There has to be a carve out of the land from the building. Mm-hmm. So we have to use a reasonable method. Um, real estate professionals are, are good at helping us with that. Um, but if there is no other um, you know, documented method, oftentimes we rely on what the tax assessors break out via building versus land
1: sure.
3: um, or a recent appraisal. Um, so let's, for uh, you know, a simple example of the after tax cash flows benefit say the rental home let's say the total tax basis for simplicity is 375. we allocate a hundred thousand dollars of that to land and 275 thousand dollars to the house so we still get that on the previous example that ten thousand dollars of depreciation each year so let's assume that you're making the annual rents are thirty thousand dollars twenty five hundred dollars a month and then we have management fees of Two thousand dollars, say insurance expense for three thousand dollars. By the way, I'm just pulling these off the top of my head. It may vary. It right. May vary, you know, significantly. I'm just using this for example. Yeah, examples.
1: yeah. I'm going to talk to Sherry about those costs. Yes.
3: Real estate yeah. taxes. We'll say another three thousand. Repairs and maintenance. Maybe another two thousand. These are all out-of-pocket costs. And <laughs> say that that actual cash outflows is ten thousand dollars. So you have net you've brought in $30,000 of income through the year and you've spent you spent $10,000 on out-of-pocket expenses. So you have $20,000 of cash. Well, you're not going to pay tax on that full $20,000 because we have that $10,000 depreciation deduction. So you really can only be taxed on $10,000 of that taxable income. Right. And to benefit it a little bit more is we likely have a qualified business income deduction associated with that, which is a a new concept which uh, came out in 2018. Um, And so it's a very simplistic uh, calculation. It's 20% of your net income at the bottom. So if you say you have $10,000, we knock another $2,000 off of that. There's essentially $8,000 of taxable income.
1: On a $30,000
3: even though even though you have twenty thousand dollars of cash
1: okay
2: okay and that that, that really is the magic of property management and real estate Uh, this is a small business even one single family home is a small business and so you have business deductions that he's just giving you some heads up on and so those help uh you you at the same time while you have appreciation of the value of the house you have the deductions of the business expenses so uh, mm-hmm. the important thing is that you're, when you first start up the relationship with the property, the, the inspection process will help verify, okay, are there any big expenses coming up that could be more than that couple you know, couple thousand dollars a year? Is the roof in good shape? Yeah, is what is the condition of the water heater, the forced near furnace, or whatever heat source, the boiler, whatever is the source of heat um, for properties that need that? Um, mm-hmm.
1: Would a good property manager help you with all of that assessment?
2: Yes, um, they will say, okay, okay, the boiler, the boiler or the water heater uh, is looking like it could be uh, it could be needing to be replaced sooner than later. So that's build up some reserve to cover those expenses, or you know a certain percentage of the of the rental income gets tucked away for the bigger expenses down the road. Um, in certain states, of course, hail storms happen, and that helps with the cost of roof replacement because the Mother Nature helped contribute to the deterioration of the, of the premises. So you wanna have your, you know, that's where you talk to each other about the, the, you know, the family members and the, the, the broker talk about the long-term benefits they'd like to have of this property, and what are the long-term expenses that are gonna be coming up uh, in the property.
1: Okay. Okay. And um, I would think some of the business expenses include travel to um, that area to see the property occasionally. I don't know. Um, But routine business expenses.
3: It also gives the opportunity to convert. Like, you know, normally we have an itemized deduction for uh, real estate taxes and mortgage interest but not everybody now with the new rule, the new tax rules, we're seeing that most people are not itemizing deductions because we have such a high standard deduction. Right. Um, And so they're not actually realizing any benefit from paying the real estate taxes or their mortgage interest. Um, In a rental, we're not limited on that. That goes directly on a a different schedule and it is a straight deduction without any limitation.
1: And you still get your personal deductions as well, yeah. Right, very nice, okay. Um, well, we're, we we have a second break. It, it's, we have about 30 seconds, so we're good here for a moment. But um, yeah, I think what I heard Daniel, um, what I would like to emphasize is that uh, for some folks, um, a temporary move, you know, oftentimes mom is not sure if she's going to be happy moving into assisted living. And so she can live up to two years away from the home um, and have it be a rental and convert it back.
3: Up to to three years. So she has to live in a two out of the previous five. Oh,
1: okay. So up to three years, she can be out of the home. It can be a rental. And if a decision is made for her to move back, um, it can still be sold as a as a personal, you probably have to recapture some of those business things that happened, but.
3: The depreciation would be recaptured, yes. Okay. To yeah.
1: sell it. okay. So um, we have more to talk about. Um, I would like to drill down a little bit more about some of these costs and, and ask Sherry about um, hiring a property manager, what I should consider, what I should be looking for, Uh, to hire a good one. So we'll be right back, folks. Come back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your
0: Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, We'll work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aging life network.com that's nancy at aging life network.com now back to the program
1: hi welcome back i'm here with sherry dia brown owner of caravan properties and daniel farley cpa with moss adams um thank you both for joining us today pre-holiday i know you have a lot on your plate i'm sure um I want to talk a little bit more about property management, and um, because I know there's a lot of property managers, and my concern um, as um, a senior who is considering this option in my future is um, finding a good one. Um, uh, and I know for families, you know, when there's multiple children and a home with, and it's a and it's mom's sometimes biggest asset, um, you know, it's important that um, I not, you know, if I'm going to hire somebody and pay them, I don't want to deal with the headaches of, um, of ownership. That's what I'm hoping to transfer on to you, Sherry. Um, If I live out of state, I don't have the ability to see the property on a regular basis. And so hiring someone that's reliable and good and high quality is important. So what are those things? Um, And of course, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the benefit before we're done. But talk to me about what those things, um, a a really good, uh, excellent property manager should um, say, or I should be listening for um, that makes me know that they're gonna do a good job.
2: I would say the number one thing is that what a good property manager is doing is, first of all, they're doing property management because they like doing property management. I love doing property management. Um, Mm -hmm. And then basically that provides, uh, if you've been doing it long enough uh, or have been trained well enough, you have specialized knowledge of management. And management is the important part of its systems and its relationships. So the good property manager has good relationships with the various handyman vendors and so on. They have good contracts. They're, they're contracts that can, uh, if you end up in a, a, a dispute, the language in the contract speaks uh, the landlord and the tenant basically are both bound by the terms of the contract as signed. So making a good contract. And the other important aspect is there's a policy manual. A good property management company has a policy and procedure manual that defines the consistency that they provide in their services, how they process applications consistently so that Fair Housing is not complaining and having worried about the, the public is not being protected. Um, and then that, that the contract provides a level of authority and responsibility and this is all defined in writing so that it is um, it is clear what the language says Is and that
1: something they would share
2: Oh yes a good property manager shares their documents so that you know they may not let you have a you know um, they may not they may say that respectfully Some of the best property managers are saying okay you're, you're hiring me to do my job. So let me be the landlord. Let me have the relationship with the tenant. Let me handle all the details. And the only thing you're responsible for is to, depo- to, to you know acknowledge the amount of your deposits each month and read your owner statements. So you know what activity took place. Perhaps there was a little plumbing issue or an electrical issue that was handled during the month. So you got a little bit less money deposited into your account during the, the middle of the month. but. The, it was all handled because the, one of the systems that the property manager has is they have an emergency service that handles the after-hours calls. If unfortunately you know if there is a sewer backup or something's happened, and the owner doesn't have to be bothered uh, until the next morning with the bad news that the sewer backed up, because the professionals, uh, the property manager, and the, and whoever the repair people that they hired have handled those details and coordinate with the tenant to deal with whatever issue it is because i there's a phrase i use which houses will misbehave from time to time and it's terribly rude and that's why you have the property manager handle that for you so you don't have to worry about those uh those details um and the most important thing is accountability as far as the uh, communications and accurate accounting of the all funds um the real estate commission wants to know that every penny of someone else's money has been properly accounted for and a good property manager has a, a property management based software which does track the you know the ledgers and the accounting details and provides a monthly statement to the owner so deal you know, to the owners of the property so they know exactly what the income and expenses have been for the property.
1: You, you talked about building up a reserve do you actually keep an account in house of funds related to that property that you use to pay your um, your repair people, professionals, et cetera.
2: Yes, uh, the amount will vary from property management company to another. Some keep a up to a month of reserve. Uh, some especially if they're helping with like uh, if there is any mortgage or uh, agreement to pay taxes or insurance, so everything's in one report. Uh, and then the ten ninety nine to the end of the year to the to the owner to contract for taxes or it can be just you know a couple hundred dollars you know whatever the amount of authority that the property manager is granted for repairs and maintenance three hundred dollars you know five hundred dollars whatever amount is agreed to in the in the contract between the owner and the and the property manager,
1: before you get authority to do something, yeah. and that's the key. Okay, give them the authority to take care of little
2: things, and then a really good property manager will even take care of the big things. And then uh, that's where the the owner also wants to have the the owner of the property wants to have their own reserve, so that they are building up money, perhaps in a Whatever, whatever little interest they can get from the bank or in their you know, zero coupon, whatever they want to set up for, for tax purposes, the, their benefits, um, they want to have uh, their own reserves that they're keeping track of as well.
1: Okay. And so um, I'm jumping around here. I'm sorry. Dan, um, uh, I assume you would recommend, since we're talking about this as a business, that you would recommend a separate account for um, this whole arrangement?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'd always, I mean, we always recommend that you don't, um, you, you don't combine your personal and, and business activities. As I will say uh, one thing to, to Sherry's point is whenever there is a professional property manager involved, the tax preparation is much smoother because um, they, they know what we're looking for. We have a very, uh, well broken out schedule of what the expenses were versus the income.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: a lot of the time when we are dealing with individuals who are managing their own rental properties, it's more of a shoebox full of receipts. So the, the tax preparation cautious. associated mm-hmm. is actually cheaper when you have a, a property management.
1: manager right. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and so Sherry, um, Can I, uh, should I expect to get a positive response if I ask for references, for example? Oh, yes.
2: Yes. Um, A good uh,
1: relationship with
2: other owners that the person already manages. There's always going to be people who are happy to give feedback about their own experience that they've had working with this particular property manager. So Mm -hmm. referrals is a good thing to ask for. And during the interview process, I would highly recommend that you really pay attention to the words that the you know, you're, you're conducting an interview. So listen to the words that they're speaking to you. Um, are they positive? Um, are they proactive, intended? Are they uh, demonstrating that they, uh, you know, that they understand the value of the property and understand the wishes of the family, um, that there's a, there's a balancing of all the needs that are going on with the, the ownership of the property and what are the long-term benefits that the family is seeking the property manager needs to know and understand what their short-term and long-term wishes are for that property.
1: Well, and I think for me, that feeds into uh, what I know of you personally, that um, you have a unique, after 37 years in real estate, you have developed a really unique perspective in terms of dealing with owners and Tenants and before we, you know, in we have about five minutes left. But I, I would like to hear your your perspective um, on how to create a win-win-win for everybody involved.
2: Oh, my pleasure. That is the essence of our program. We believe that the understanding the intent, which we want to be a positive mindset. We want to encourage that there is a peaceful coexistence between all the people involved in the relationship. So I use a phrase that there's cooperation, harmony, kindness, and prosperity in, all, in the relationship um, with, the, with the, all the people associated with it. And then that they you know, I call it their priorities are in order, that there's positive mindset, that you're putting the people focus first, then prosperity, and then the property having mutual benefits. So uh, we do that. The way we accomplish that is we are very picky about who moves into the property. We actually think of our tenants as really like caretakers. Um, they are there. They've been hired to do a job uh, for which, and our program doesn't discount it rewards the tenants for being, uh, taking the initiative to have repairs and maintenance done to the property as needed. And that the, in, at the end of the year, um, they have received basically a a, a worthy, uh, if it's a single family home property, they can receive up to $900 of discounts off the rent for taking that initial effort to take care of the property. And in the way we, uh, they contribute is they also, it's like a de- I call it the deductible, like a deductible in insurance policy. The tenants will pay minor, have authority to take care of minor repairs and maintenance themselves or contribute a little bit of like $75 up to, um, repairs and maintenance. So they are uh, the owner of the property is receiving a property that's maintained in as good or better condition. And it is, well, it is a great pleasure. Uh, one of my favorite stories is I had a tenant live at a property for 10 years. They were a military family. And during this time, the wife had husband deployed for several of the years. When they moved out 10 years later and because they bought a house, that's the number one reason we lose good, care, you know, good tenants. Is that they buy a house? Is they were um, they return the property in better condition, full interior paint, um, improvements to the property, and what that tenant those tenants earned was a five hundred dollar bonus on top of their return of their security deposit. Uh, that was the reserve held by the tenant during their tenancy. Nice. So. That's a pro. That's why our program is more pro. It has a positive approach, is because we do believe that when the tenants take the initiative, part, well rewarded for their extra efforts. That the owner benefits from a well-maintained property, and the, when the system works perfectly, there is not mm-hmm. a thing we have to. The the property is move-in ready for the next tenant. When uh, when the old tenant moves out, the new tenant moves into a move-in ready property. There's no downtime
1: between nice. The caretakers. Nice. Very nice. Okay. And um, last, just in terms of costs, is there an average cost that one can expect to pay a property manager?
2: A property manager, there, there, of course, is no standard to the industry. I Mm -hmm. see everything from um, 8% to 12%, depending on what all is included in those vet management services, because there are some that include everything in their percentage. And others, and there are some who actually will also just do a flat rate type of approach, where they just charge a certain amount per month for their management. So okay. it really does vary, and you just you know have to read the agent,
1: read the contract
2: okay. that you have to
1: understand okay. it. Well, I um, we've got to go. I appreciate the two of you. Um, Sherry has um, offered her um, email. If anyone wants to email her directly, it's. Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, D-E-A, at com. Thank you, Dan Farley and Sherry Dia Brown. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate both of you. Yeah. And happy holidays. <laughs> on the subject line, tell them to put radio show so I know. Okay, put probably. radio show on the subject line. Yeah. You guys are fabulous. Um, thank you. Have a great holiday. Thank you
3: very much for this invitation. My pleasure. Pleasure. Yes, thank you.
1: And Happy New Year. God, we need us. Okay. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.